A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Uh, Today, we're going to get it right on the podcast. We're going to be talking about irreversible financial decisions, these things we got to get right the first time around. We're, of course, talking with Scott Searles. He is the financial advisor and president of Skybox Financial Group, serving you in the greater Cleveland area, also based in Bradenton, Florida. You can find him online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. I'm Walter. So glad that you're with us today. Scott, looking forward to today's show, and I hope you're doing well. Yeah, we actually need to get today's show right the first time. So okay. we can, you know, because you we, go with we no can't editing be hip- this week. And we just... can't be hypocritical, right? Okay, we need true. to. We need to just nail it. Yeah, but we're also not saying everything has to be right the first time. Not everything's an irreversible decision. Well, that that's true. That's true. Although you know, I could say Scott that you know you decided to start a podcast, and that's an irreversible decision. You can never end it. You have to keep this going the rest of your entire life. I would I would like that. As long as I can do it on the beach when I'm retired, you know, on my phone, I'm good. There you go. I have hosted a, an episode while walking down the beach once, so it can be done. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Had, uh, I had somebody that needed to record an episode, and I was literally walking on the beach, and I said, you know what? Uh, and he, he was on a cruise ship, of all places. So it was like, all right, we did like a little emergency podcast episode. And uh, it was it was pretty funny. And I just was like, hey, you're going to hear waves in the background and maybe some people, you know, yelling as I walk around. But uh, we're going to record this thing while we're in motion. You know, he was on a cruise ship. I was walking on the beach and we did a show. It turned out to be pretty awesome, actually. That's cool. I don't know how good the quality was, but it was at least fun to do. So. Yep, absolutely. Anyway, it can be done if you ever want to do it that way. That's for okay. Sure. Maybe I will. All right. Well, on the financial side of things, there are lots of decisions that you make in retirement planning that unfortunately can't be undone. And that's why we want to get those things right on the first call, the first time around. And so we're going to explain why some of those decisions are so important and can't be undone, and then talk about how to make sure you make the right choices the first time around, because it's indeed so important. So the first one that is on the list, we got four that we're going to break down in particular on today's episode. And the first one is Social Security, uh, in particular, when you start Social Security. Why is that unreversible? And and what about that is sort of the need to get it right the first time? Well, so in full disclosure, if you, you do have one year to change your mind, when you do pick Social Security, you can give the money back and change your mind. But after that time period, locked in stone. So we're going to go with the fact that we're locked in stone, right? So you know, if you start your benefit at, at 62 and you start rolling along and then at 64, you decide, you know, that you want to change it, you're stuck. So the big thing about social security is a lot of stuff. Whenever I have, I have people that come into my office and we're talking about social security, one of the first things we talk about is, you know, there are other sources of income, there are assets. Because a lot of the times it does make more sense to delay Social Security because once you get past your full retirement age for most people on this podcast are going to be between ages 66 and 67. You'll get that little sheet from, well, they don't send it anymore, but if you hop online and you get your little printout, it'll say you retire at 66, 10 months. That is referred to as your full retirement age. 
Then after that point, once you reach full retirement age, Social Security increases 8% every year after that till age 70, and then it doesn't go any higher after that. So one of the big things is that your longevity is another big factor and that, you know, if you're going to continue to, you know, if you live to 85, you definitely probably would have, it would have been beneficial for you to delay taking that Social Security. But some people, when they reach 62, they just go, you know, the day of their birthday, they're just like, ooh, 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 I'm going to go get my Social Security. I can get it now because they think they're going to die in two years. Um, now there's some people that unfortunately that is the situation, but you you need to do some plans. You need to run the numbers. You need to make sure when the right time is to take social security for you and your spouse, because, uh, if you end up taking social security early, you know, your spouse, you're going to, you're going to limit the spousal benefit for them too, once you pass away. So you need to you really work through create a strategy for social security because once you do it, you can't back out. Yeah, that's a great point. And so a little bit reversible, but uh, it ultimately does become irreversible after that yes, first year. Yes, it does. And yeah, and that, that, that effect, that's literally a decision that affects the rest of your life and Absolutely. depending on what you choose, the rest of your spouse's life. And so got to get it right. All right. Uh, speaking of spouse, what about number two on our list, electing spousal benefits on your pension? Or the flip side of that, I suppose, not electing to have spousal benefits on your pension. What, what all is involved in that decision and what's irreversible about it? This is ironic because yesterday I had a meeting with some, uh, some new clients that came in and we're working up, we're developing their strategies. And I asked them, I said, okay, you guys are both have these pensions. One was retired from Ford. The other one was uh, a retired professor at a university. And... I said, okay, we have these pensions. What option did you select for your spousal benefit? And neither one of them could call, recall what they picked. They couldn't remember. And I explained that that is, it's very important to know because if you selected 100% on your life and you pass away, that pension will stop. So if we're doing planning saying, okay, what happens if something happens to one of you? We need to know whether that income's going to stop or not. So when you select a pension, if you're fortunate enough to still have a pension, you, when you're going to generally have maybe four or five, maybe even more different choices on what you can do. The first one would be you would pick on your own life. Well, that would mean then that when you pass away, your spouse doesn't receive any of the pension. Another option would be that your spouse will continue to receive 100% of your pension once you pass away. Well, everybody's probably saying, well, well, why wouldn't I just pick that? Well, when you do the 100% spousal continuation, it's usually a reduced dollar amount that you would receive monthly compared to 100% on your life. So again, you have to weigh, does that make most sense? Then there's usually 50%, 70%. They'll have different percentages then. Like, for instance, if you pass away and you had selected the 50% spousal, then again, at a reduced dollar amount off of the 100% your life amount, though not as low as the 100% to your spouse, the 50% will, you know, just like it says, the 50% of whatever you receive would then go to your spouse. So once you pick this, you can't go back. 
So you need to make sure you select the right option to start with. There's a strategy called pension maximization that we utilize sometimes where you actually will select the 100% your life version, but then you'll take some of that extra that, you, that you're receiving and then fund a life insurance policy so that when you die, then your spouse gets a big chunk of tax-free money then that they can use to fund that difference going forward. So there, there's different ways you can work it, but once you select that pension, you can't go back. Yeah, it's a really good one and uh, one that you want to get right. Whenever the spouse is involved, we want to make those decisions definitely make the most sense and get those right, Scott. You know, so if we mess up one of these other ones, okay, we'll be all right. But if you mess up the spouse one and uh, and hurt them in the process, boy, you're in big trouble then on on multiple angles. So. And I've seen it before where a spouse they didn't they didn't really think about that, oh, no. and you know the husband passes away, and all of a sudden that pension's gone, mm. and they're like. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to live. Well, you know, it, it was a very important decision. Yeah, it's really a, a heavy one, a heavy decision. It's It's got so many big implications downstream. Uh, what about life insurance? That's another one, obviously, that has downstream implications. And I guess this is whether to get life insurance, whether not to get life insurance. This one's a little bit nebulous in the whole irreversible side because mm -hmm. you can always stop paying your life insurance if you want to get rid of it, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, the big thing about life insurance is that as you get older, it gets more expensive. So you can't, in in essence, you can't, when you're 70, say, boy, I wish I would have gotten the insurance when I was 60 because it would have been much cheaper. You, you know, that that's absolutely true. So in that essence, you can't go back and change, oh, I wish I would have got it at 60 and get the reduced rates. And the other thing that, that you know, Murphy's Law always kicks into the conversation with insurance, what happens if you get sick and you're diagnosed with a disease or something, then you can't get the insurance at all. Again, something you can't reverse. So I think it's prudent. And, and with people I have come in and, and we go through our you know, worry-free retirement blueprint process, we have a discussion about you know, if there's a need for life insurance, number one. When do we get it? And it's because if you wait too long to get it and something happens, it's either going to cost too much or you're not going to be able to get it at all. Great point. So it's like that one's a constantly evolving one. What, what you had access to today, you won't have access to tomorrow. So at Correct. least it's like a revolving irreversible uh, decision, right? Um, evolves with us over time a little bit. All right. Uh, last one here, Scott, would be choosing a retirement date. Why would that be irreversible? Well, so in theory, you know, you may say, well, you know, I can choose my retirement date and then if, if I don't like it, I can go back to work. The reality is, though, once you do retire, you would, most people would run across the problem that they can't re-enter that workforce getting the same salary they did before. So if you decide to retire at age 60, let's say for instance, and then you didn't do the proper planning, you're realizing that may, maybe I'm going to run out of money and you go back to work at 65, it would probably be extremely difficult to get that same type of job you had when you were 60. Plus you were out of the workforce for five years and a lot of people when they're hiring, 
don't necessarily like somebody that was been out of the workforce for that so long. So then you're kind of, then you resort to the part-time job thing, working at Home Depot and stuff like that, which is a job and will bring in income, but not nearly what you were making before. So a lot of the time, simply just waiting a year or waiting two years gives you the opportunity to save and accumulate more, and you can have a much safer and secure retirement. So you know, the, choosing the retirement date is technically not irreversible, but it is because you can't go back to that situation you were previous to retirement. All great points, all ones that I think we need to consider. And I'm sure this isn't an exhaustive list of those irreversible financial decisions, but definitely some important and common ones that we come across. So keep those in mind when you're making Social Security decisions, looking at spousal benefits on the pension and what elections you're doing there, uh, evaluating your life insurance or picking that retirement date. All of those have at least elements of them that are in that world of irreversible decisions. They're at least things that we really want to get right the first time around because it gets really messy if we have to try and fix it or undo it later on. So keep that in mind. And if you need some help making those kinds of decisions in your own financial life, that's why somebody like Scott Searles is here to help you navigate through those decisions, put them in the context of your overall financial life, and make better decisions going forward. That's why he's got more than 20 years of experience in this financial planning world. Has helped a lot of people on a daily basis uh, kind of accomplish these different goals that we've covered on the show. So if you've got questions about that, want to come in for a visit, talk a little bit more about your plan, it's very easy to do so. I suggest going to talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com. And you can schedule a free consult from your smartphone or computer that way. You can also call 888 742 0111. That's 888-742-0111. And we'll put the contact info that you need also in the description of today's show. So you can find it no matter what app you're using to listen to the program today. Scott, appreciate your help talking about these irreversible financial decisions. Let's get to know you a little bit better. And uh, we've got a fun question this week. It's getting to know you time. All right, Scott, we're going back to imaginary land for today's question. If you could only eat one thing for dinner the rest of your life, what would it be? Wow. So, you know, all right. So I'm a little torn here, right? Because I keep thinking, okay, if I had to eat it for dinner for the rest of my life, I should probably pick something healthy like, mm. you know, chicken breast and salad. Okay. Uh, yeah. But that wouldn't be my favorite meal. That's not something I would necessarily want to eat for the rest of my life, right? That's the, you can uh, give two answers. You can give the practical answer and then the non-practical answer about that. Well, so so uh, I'm not going to do the practical answer. I mean, so I'm, something's I'm really go. wrong in the world if this question were to be true. So at that point, don't worry about longevity, right? Just lean yeah, that's into true. it at that point. That's true. Well, then I'm going to go. I'm going to go with skyline chili. A five way from Skyline Chili. Really? Okay. Absolutely one of my favorite things to huh. eat. We make it at home. Uh, you, you get your spaghetti, then you have the Cincinnati chili on top, kidney beans, onions, and a big heaping mound of shredded cheddar cheese on top with some hot sauce and oyster crackers. And I am in heaven. So that is by far my favorite meal. And you know, now that I'm older, I don't eat it as often because it's not exactly super healthy, right? But it's my favorite meal. And, you know, and it's something I, you know, I don't know. You know, I would probably get sick of it after, you know, no matter what you would pick, you'd get, get sick, sick of it anything, after a probably, while, right? Yeah. But, uh, boy, that would last me a long time before I get sick of it, though. Hmm. Yeah. 
That's an interesting answer. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't really judge because I've never had that Skyline chili before. Oh, I meant to get to. it last time I was in Cincinnati, but uh, we, we ran out of time. So it's, it's yeah, worth never, it's worth a trip just for that. It, it's it's with spaghetti in it, right? It's like chili yeah. with spaghetti inside. Yeah. Well, it's so it's layered. So you get the spaghetti is just the plain noodles on the bottom. Then the chili goes on top. I see. Okay. 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 So it's not like pre mixed. Gotcha. And then the, and then you have your weird. choice. Yeah. It, it, it absolutely sounds weird, but it is absolutely delicious. I love chili. Um, but mm-hmm. that, that's definitely a little bit uh, different take on chili. That's for sure. Hmm. Yes. What an interesting answer. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Threw I, you I just, for a loop. I'm going to have to go with uh, steak is a very attractive answer here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I do feel like I could tire of steak a little bit, maybe, over time. One thing I never seem to get tired of are chicken wings. So okay, I'd say chicken wings. I, I could probably eat chicken wings for dinner every night and never get unhappy. And would well, look, I t- look forward to it just as much as I did the previous day. I tell you what, Walter, I must I must admit that I think I make probably the world's best chicken wings. Really? Oh, I'm just saying. What's your method? I, I, so I, I have I have get the, first I get the whole wings right. So I get the okay. You know, so you the, don't do the the drumettes or the, the no. The I get the the whole okay. wing, and I put my rub on it, my secret rub, and then I put it in on my smoker, and I'll smoke it. I uh, start with the lower temperature, get a little bit more smoke in it, then I pull the temperature up. Uh, and then usually what I do, at least in my house, is I'll take half of them and I'll turn them into garlic parmesan wings. Mm. And then the other half, I just simply stay with the dry rub. Now, you can obviously add any sauce you want afterwards to the dry rub if you wanted to. But they're they've got a little bit of smoke to them. They fall off the bone. And with the rubs, a little bit of spice with some sweetness. I'm, I tell you, so I'm gonna have to make you some chicken wings one of these days. I like that. I like. Yeah. Well, see, there was strategy to my answer because I left it open ended, just chicken wings, right? So that means I could probably have the chicken wings prepared very differently every night. So that would add to the variety. That's true. I can have Scott wings one night. I can have my wife's wings another night. I can go out to a restaurant and eat their wings another night. So, and you're you're varying it up each time. You see, you went you went too specific probably with Skyline chili. You should have just said chili. Now that I think about it, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I should have I should have gotten more more broad. Even of steak, you could cook steak a hundred different ways. True. Yeah, steak's pretty broad, right? Lots of different cuts of meat that you could go with, and different types of cooking. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, you well, you missed the trick question there of of well a, I a think I'd still a little bit I know I think I'd still be happy with my skyline chili though at that point you're you're like yeah yeah if we're doing chili we might as well do skyline chili at that point that's right you are at least you can always not eat the noodles right if you want to make it a little that's different. true yeah. and the, you know they do have you know three way four way and five way so you can get rid of the beans the onions okay or you can so you just can mix have it up a little bit that way you can just have yeah. a bowl of the chili. Uh, so I, I give it. a little bit of variation, but not a lot. If only once one of our scenarios here on the show came true, and we actually had to live one of these crazy things that we come up with out <laughs> for a period of time would be pretty interesting. Yeah, like the would. last episode and what period we wanted to live in. I wonder how long we'd really actually last in those periods. And I know I, I you, you know, I picked the fifties, I think in the last episode and, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the creature comforts I'm used to now weren't there in the fifties. That's so. right. That's right. You know, it's, uh, you know, it would be different. No, it's true. 
All right, well, there you go. That's getting to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. Good Skyline Chili. Well, we knew we'd bring some food up at some point. Always, and, uh, always we, food. We got to it on today's episode for sure. All right, to wrap up, we've got to answer one of our listener questions. Today's comes to us from Gwen. Let's get to it. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. So Gwen says, my house is already paid off, but I'm about to sell it and downsize to a condo that's about $100,000 cheaper. So I'm curious, should I just put the money I make during this transition in the market? Well, that's a good question, Gwen. And I assume that when you ask this question, meaning that when you sell your home, the time between when you sell your home and you buy your new one, what do you do with the money in between? Um, and if that's the case, one of the big major factors in when you're investing is your investment time horizon. So how long do you have to invest? Well, as we've seen with the market this year, you could have super bad timing and you could put your money in there and then the markets could drop. So I would tell you that I would probably not recommend that you would put that money in the market for a short period of time because Murphy's Law says you'd, you know, you'd get bit in the rear. So I would keep that type of money. I would keep that safer, secure. I mean, get a CD in the bank. Don't take risk with that so you can make sure it's available. Yeah, you could get lucky. You put the money in the market and make 10% over a few months or something, but that's really not a risk you should be taking with that money because then it could affect the purchases of your next home. And, you know, I don't want you to not have a place to live. So now if you're talking about the excess $100,000, you know, that you have left over afterwards, well, then, yeah, it depends on your situation. What are you going to use the money? You know, what is it for? Then you may be, you know, be able to invest portions of that in the market. So hopefully, Gwen, that asks your question. But if you, you want to reach out and schedule a 15 minute phone call with me and give me some more details, I can definitely go over the situation with you and give you some different ideas. It's fantastic. Great question. Thanks for sending that one in, Gwen, as well. Goes for all of our listeners. If you want to get into some specific help with your various financial planning questions, reach out to Scott once again at talktoscott.com or give him a call at 888-742-0111. And again, that contact info is in the description of today's show as well. Uh, really appreciate your help on the episode today, Scott. Enjoyed it. And we'll look forward to another month next time around. More fun than Christmas Day, Walter. That's right. You got it. Uh, enjoy the uh, rest of your October, everybody, if you're tuning in to us shortly after the release of this episode. And we'll see everybody in a few weeks. Thanks so much for listening to the Retirement Toolbox. Go Browns. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.